Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to preach at you long, but I'm just going to confirm everything that's been going on right here this morning. Because I thought, Lord, this is the most unusual message. It is and it isn't to me. But I thought, God, you are dealing with somebody, if not everybody in this room. So look at your neighbor and say, God's talking to you this morning. You're not going to go under. You're going to go over. You're not going to be defeated. You're going to be a winner. Come on. Come on. We're going to be, we're going to be victorious in the Lord. So I'm going to read to you out of the book of John, chapter 10, in verse 10, to a very familiar passage of Scripture to a lot of us, but there may be a few in the room that's never heard it before. And this is what it says in the King James. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. God put a word in me for you this morning to tell you. I don't know who necessarily I'm speaking to but I believe I could speak to everybody in the room. This is the time for your best life now. Let's say that together. Your best life now. Now I don't care what it looks like right now around your home. I don't care what it looks like around your life. Everything may be in a turmoil. Everything may be upside down. You may have lost all hope. You may feel Feel like you're at the end of the rope and you only got a thread you're hanging on to and your strength is getting weak but God said to tell you in the midst of all of that this is the time of your best life now now notice something what there's two entities here that you're dealing with you're dealing with a real devil my brother called me the other day said I got to tell you a message that God gave me And uh, so he began to tell me, he said, I just let our people know that the devil is alive and well. How many's found that out? That he's alive and he's doing very well what he's meant to do and what he's bent to do. But just because he's alive and well doesn't mean that you're not victorious over him. Because the Bible said, the thief cometh. The thief cometh, and he's got threefold purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take everything you got. He wants to rob you of your peace. He wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to rob you of your confidence. He come to destroy every good thing that's in you and you're capable of doing. He wants to destroy that hope. He wants to destroy your faith. He wants to destroy your vision. He wants to literally unfold everything in your life. He come to steal, kill, and destroy, to wipe out where there's literally no evidence of you or God anywhere. Now that's his plan. But he's not speaking. That's what Jesus said he come to do. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I love the Passion Translation. It says this, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal. He wants to slaughter and destroy. But I I have come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect, life in its fullness until it overflows. Don't you dare put any limits on God. 
Don't you dare shortchange God. I don't care how much you may feel like you have lost right now. God said, I want to give you more than what you can expect. I want to give you life to its fullness. I want to give you an overflowing life, which means you can't get next to me without getting into the blessing of God. We can't get next to each other without the overflow of God getting on somebody else. That is absolutely God's will for every person in this room this morning. Now, I know some of you don't believe it. I know some of you don't feel like it's for you. But just because you don't believe it and just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not true. Hello. And he didn't say that that is in the sweet by and by. It is right now in this lifetime, in this moment, under these circumstances. I got invited into a meeting recently. Hadn't been in one like this in a long time. It was an old time gospel singing. Anybody ever remember those? I went to meet a pastor and I went to, because my friend gave me an invitation to go there, but I found it quite interesting. Because remember, nothing wrong with an old time gospel singing. These guys were just as sincere about what they do as I am. But I noticed something about 99% of their songs was about the joy that we're going to have when we get over yonder. And everything was over yonder in the sweet by and by or somewhere. 99.9% of every song they sang was about. And if you come up in church like I have and many of you have, that's where our hope rested. If I can just get to heaven. Well, let me get you out of your misery today. If that's where you want to be, don't stop at the stop sign. Just drive on through and somebody will help get you there quick. That way you can be happy. But if you're going to stop at that stop sign, if you're going to hit that brake real hard, you might as well make a decision. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to have the best life that I can possibly have right here in this moment of time under the circumstances we're in. Now, when God spoke this, you have to understand circumstances weren't good. He's speaking to his people. Listen, before Jesus came in the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence. You guys think we get in a drought once in a while spiritually. Think about 400 years. We can't hardly make a month and we're begging for revival. Hello. But they had 400 years of of silence, no open move of God, no open fresh revelation. Nothing was happening as it since to be. Matter of fact, everything seemed to be going backwards because when you're out of the presence of God, when there is no fresh flow of revelation, when God isn't moving, then you're either going, you're not really standing still, you're taking steps backwards and usually the enemy starts taking ground in your life. So now Israel's in the place, the Roman Empire has taken over the over the land, you have to understand a greater authority that didn't have any focus upon God, didn't have any focus on on Jesus as we would know it. They're now dominating the land and dominating the people, the land that belonged to the people of God. Not only that, here they have a great leader by the name of Herod that rises up and takes his place. Herod was full of arrogancy. He was full of pride. 
pride. He didn't want to do anything but be the ruler. Matter of fact, he was so messed up. History shows us. You can go read it. History shows us that he even killed some of his own children. Why do you think a generation can freely kill innocent babies the way that they're killing them right now? Because it was the nature of what was going on. The people of God were under heavy taxation. It almost reminds me of Egypt. Really back there, way back there, it was just a different form and in a modern day compared to way back there. But the times wasn't good. The time wasn't perfect. The time looked like everything was going backwards and all of a sudden God shows up he shows up listen the promise of God isn't for when everything is right the promise of God is when everything is wrong why do you think he gave you a promise when he said I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you I wish I had me an organist today he said I'll never forsake you I'll never leave you alone because he knew there would be a time in your life that you're going to feel like God has left you that you're going to feel like you're forsaken but he gave you a word, come on church, that he wanted you to hang on. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to fulfill everything I promised. Why do you think he gave you that word? I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. I don't feel like I can take another step. I don't feel like I can put up with him another day. I don't feel like I can put up with her another moment. I don't feel like I could go through this again. But he gave you a promise that in that moment, I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. That wasn't for the sweet by and by. That was for right now. When you don't have enough and you're wondering where it's going to come from. I heard the apostle Paul say, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I may think I need an automobile and he just sends me somebody by to get me where I need to go. He just supplied my need. I think I need a T-bone steak because I'm hungry. And he sent me to Popeye's. Oh, come on, somebody. He just met my need. He just met, he said, I will do that. But he said, I'll do that in this present time. I'm here to declare to you that today I heard the word of the Lord through Pastor Val a while ago as he prophesied into this place that it is now in this time, this day, the word of the Lord is this out of 2 Corinthians that today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, today. You don't have tomorrow yet, but I do have today and I can get a hold of everything that Jesus has intended for me to have. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And this is how it began to manifest. He just come in and began to preach and say, the kingdom of heaven is here. Boy, that's too simple, isn't it? I, I didn't feel anything. There's nothing in the kingdom that says we move by feeling. Nothing. That's why Paul said we walk by faith and not by sight. 
And, and that wasn't just a New Testament principle. I think you go all the way back to the Old Testament. You'll find it written pre- pretty well the very same way. We walk by faith and not by sight because he sent a preacher. And Jesus came on the scene in the first message out of his mouth. Matter of fact, it was his life's message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here now in this moment of time when gas went to $3.39. What's up with our government? My goodness. Can't even go to McDonald's without spending $15 on a Happy Meal. What is up with our world that's flipped upside down? Can't find enough supplies, can't find enough help, can't keep enough workers, can't get this done, can't get that done. But then in the midst of all that, God shows up and he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what he's saying, it doesn't matter what goes on around here, it matters what's going on in here. Because if you can get it in here, it'll transform everything out here. Hello? He said the kingdom of heaven. What are you talking about? The kingdom of heaven. I know I've touched this over the last couple of weeks, but this is what God gave me. He said it's this. It is nothing but the rule of the king. It's the life. Listen. It's the rule of the king and the life he intends that he's always. I'm going to back up some. It's the life he has always intended his people to walk in. He didn't give you a secondary life. He gave you a life way back there. He intended you to walk out. We just embraced the life, the lie of the enemy and said, well, this must be my lot in life. I'm going to be sick the rest of my life. No way. I'm going to die prematurely. No way. I'm, I'm going to lose everything I got. No way. That's not what God said. Matter of fact, when he spoke to Adam and what he put in Adam was to have been handed down to all of us. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply and I want you to increase. So if you have bought the lie of the curse, you have taken on the secondary life that God never intended and he broke the curse at Calvary so that I could step back and begin to live out the life of the blessing I was always intended to live. That means I can produce the life of God. Ooh, that's another definition of blessed. I can produce the life and the blessings of God through my life. So he said, the kingdom, and he began to preach it. And then I like, this just stuck out at me, Pastor. The Bible said in Matthew 4, 17, and from that time Jesus went about preaching and saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There it is right there. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim. I think it's two important things you need to look at. Okay, it's being preached, but what are you saying? Are you saying what God says or are you saying what you feel? Are you saying what God says or are you saying what you think? Are you saying what God says or have you got your mind so engulfed in the world and the, and, the, and the despair of the world that that's the only thing that you could speak? But from that time, matter of fact, I don't know where if Jesus, I don't think he ever changed the message. He just went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom is in hand and I say to you, it's here. 
Because basically that's what he's saying when it's hand. It is right here. This kingdom is alive and we can live it. Not somewhere when I'm talking about a kingdom place. We've got to get out of this stuff of our mind. If I could just get somewhere. If I could get to that place, if I could get to that place, if I could get so-and-so here, if I could get to them, then the kingdom will manifest. That's not what the word said. Jesus said in the book of, of, uh, the book of, uh, I think it's the book of Luke. I know I wrote it down somewhere. Chapter 18, I said chapter 17. He said, the kingdom does not come with observation, nor by the nor will they say here or see there for in the for indeed the kingdom shall be within you or the kingdom is within you listen if you're looking for something to say this is the sign of the kingdom then you're probably going to miss it but it's the kingdom within me the presence of god within me and it's in this moment it's in This moment of time, it's within you. Everybody say, the kingdom is within me. Now, here's a great mark of the kingdom. Paul said in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He said it's not meat nor drink. In other words... The religious group come and said, you've got to offer this or you've got to eat this and that. He said, it's not in any of that. But he said, it's in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is why you need to be in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit every day, be yielded to the Spirit. That's why we are a Spirit-led church right here. Simply because this is what we mean, righteousness, standing right before God and with God. And listen to this, and thinking and feeling and acting correctly before him and before others. You need to think about that. We think, well, I'm not sinning, but you ain't thinking right. I'm not sinning, but I'm sure close to it because I ain't acting right. But pure righteousness is I'm in right standing before and with God, and I'm thinking and I'm feeling and acting correctly before him and others. And not only did he say righteousness there, listen, when righteousness is there, then it begins to work peace. Oh my goodness, what is peace? Peace of God is not the absence of everything out here. I got news for us. I'm not trying to put anybody in fear. I'm trying to keep us in faith and keep us right where God wants us to be. But there may be some things that this earth, that our nation is going to go through, that's going to shake, rattle, and roll. And you and I, as people of God, we have two choices. We can shake, rattle, and roll with the nation, or we can be at peace knowing that God has already spoke over the nation, that his angels have surrounded the nation, that he's working in our nation. Therefore, I'm going to be at what? I'm going to be at peace. And the word peace, if you ask the Hebrew, they would say it like this, shalom. That's a greeting and that's an ending, shalom. 
peace be unto you. And it simply means this. It's the absence. It's not the absence of conflict necessarily, but it does mean this. It means safety. It means wholeness, prosperity, rest, wealth, fullness, a state of calm. I think we need to declare that. We probably ought to get in a good practice using that and just say shalom be unto you. Nothing missing, nothing broken. You're going to walk in the fullness of God. You're going to walk in the health of God. You're going to walk in the peace of God. And not only that, but you're going to have joy. I want to tell you, you're not going to have joy unless you're standing righteously, unless peace is working, because joy is the outflow. Remember what Jesus said? <coughs> I've come to give you life and to you more abundantly, and it's going to overflow. Joy is the overflow that everything is right and that you are peaceful. And I want to tell you, there ain't a lot of joy in most people. But in this time, God said we could have it. It's kind of interesting to me. I don't know why I'm thinking about this right now. But God sent an African over here, I don't know, maybe 25 years ago, by the name of Rodney Brown, a South African brother, and everywhere he'd go, every church he would walk into, laughter would break out. Still does. To this day, all these years later, you go to his church in Tampa. We've been there. You go to his church in Tampa. There'll be people just crazy laughing. And it's nothing compared to what it used to be. I mean, he'd walk in. He didn't do nothing. He'd just stand there and look goofy. And everybody laughing all over the room. People falling out under the power of God. Maybe God was saying, I want joy in the midst of despair. I want joy in the midst of your difficulty. I want you to manifest the life of my kingdom even when you don't think it ought to be manifested. That's what's going to happen. So he said, this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. It's within you. And I want you to know that the kingdom, not only did it come, but it comes in power. Because it comes to overthrow the forces of this world and has more authority over this world than what you and I can imagine. Think about this with me for a moment. So Jesus comes in. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I think it's in Matthew 4, 25. I didn't give that verse to him. You don't have to put it up. But he went about doing good. It's in the different gospels. And he went about preaching the same message, doing good and healing every sickness and disease among the people. And we notice all through the life of Jesus, he's working miracles. This is why we enjoy miracles so much. We think that's, you know, just a few people can do that. But the reality is Jesus said, this is a mark of my kingdom. So if the kingdom is within me, then the mark of us to be able to do the supernatural things of God is there. So what is a, when you think about it, what is a miracle for a moment? It's heaven's power overriding earthly laws. Just a simple definition. It's heaven's power overriding earthly laws. So when God brings healing, what is he doing? It's heaven's power correcting. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Healing is heaven's power correcting what's not functioning properly in your body. Think about that for a moment. I don't know what a gallbladder is. I know he's in there because they haven't taken him out. 
If I'd see him, I don't know what he looks like. If the doctor would have to come and tell me, is he here? Is he here? Where is he? I, I, he just in there. But I do know a number of people that have had him removed. So when he doesn't function right, <coughs> he causes great problems. I've even... <coughs> I've even heard of people that thought they were having a heart attack was having nothing but a gallbladder issue because they must be in close proximity somehow. No? Pastor knows all this stuff. You'll have to give me a lesson after a while. But the reality is, if he's not functioning, it's creating havoc for my whole body. This little thing called the appendix. I know he sits down in here somewhere. Because I had him removed. I mean, he acted up. And when he acted up, I felt him all over. I, I mean, he, he really, so he had to be taken. I, I'm just trying to make a point to you. So it's not that it shouldn't be there. It's not that the heart shouldn't be there. It's not that your, uh, that your gallbladder shouldn't be there. It's not that your nervous shouldn't be there. It's just not functioning properly. So when healing comes, if God created us that way, we were in wholeness before we ever had a sickness. So God is correcting through his power of heaven that which is wrong in your body. That's kingdom. Amen. Let's go it further. What is deliverance? Deliverance is heaven's power overthrowing the assignments of what comes from the outside to attack you out and inwardly. So it's heaven's power. That's simple what deliverance is. Just in a nutshell. It's God's power, God's ability doing for you what you can't seem to do in yourself. But when his kingdom moves in you, then you start speaking and declaring the kingdom. I got a close right here. Then pastor, why can't I see it? Why can't I see it? Guys, come back just for a minute. Why can't I see it? Well, last week I spoke to you this parable that Jesus gave in the book of Matthew chapter 13. And he said a sower went to sow. I'm not going to go through all of that again, but the sower went to sow and some of it fell on wayside soil. Some fell on stony ground. Some fell among the thorns. And some fell on good ground. And, and it brought forth a hundredfold. Some brought forth sixtyfold. And some brought thirty. And I have to say, some got none. Because every seed of God is intended to bring forth a full hundred percent of his life into your life. So I want you to look at this parable and think for a moment in my last couple minutes of this service then why can't I see the kingdom? Here's four reasons he gave us, really, or maybe three. One, church, we've just gotten hard. Nothing moves us anymore. Wayside soil. I, I don't even want to hear it. Matter of fact, we've become unattentive to the things of the Lord. That's really wayside soil. It didn't, it had, it's, just been, it's just life being walked on. I didn't understand in the enemy. And there's an enemy that comes immediately to snatch that word away from you. The devil is not going to let you by any chance grab a hold of the promise of God if he can keep you from it. Here's the second reason. This is actually what I said a while ago. But here's the second reason. Is our hearts have got stony. You'd be surprised how many of us in this room that we're really hard-hearted and don't realize it. How did I get hard? 
How did, how did my heart get hard? The Bible says that her heart, there's several places, and I don't have time to go and look up at every verse for you. But the Bible says that we get, we get hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The more you get into sin and you think it doesn't bother you, the more that when conviction comes. Somebody said something to me earlier this morning. I just felt that conviction. They had, they had once been, I, I guess, on drugs or something, and they'd gotten off of it, and all of a sudden they slipped, and they said, I felt so convicted. But here's the deal. The more you push away the conviction, the harder your heart gets, and before long you're in the middle of it, and it doesn't bother you anymore. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if it's alcohol, drugs. I, I, please, don't anybody throw a rock at me. I don't care if it's pedophilia or murdering somebody. you got to understand, somebody had to feel something, but the more they pushed it, even though they knew it wasn't wrong, that, that it wasn't right, they kept yielding to it. The harder it got, the harder their heart got that it didn't bother them to do it no more. See, we, we tag everybody into one thing, that if you're addicted to something, you know that's a, that's a wicked spirit. But we never think about that with donuts and chocolate cake. Did you realize that's the very same spirit? It's the very same. And the more if God's talking even about our health, we don't think about things like this. I know I need to quit this. It's just not good for me. And the more I keep pushing that off, the more harder I become in my heart till it doesn't bother me no more. And he said, you don't hear it comes. And the seed, the word gets in. Yeah, there's just little sprouts spring up. Did you ever go down the road and see these, you know, rocks that they have? And there's this tree growing out of the side of this thing. How does that happen? But it's only one tree. And it's most time it's unproductive. But for the most part, Jesus said it like this. He said, because you have no earth, he said, it just doesn't last. And when the pressure comes again, here's another area we never think about getting hard. I got to, I got to tag it. I got just a couple minutes. It's trauma, hurt, pain, disappointment. When that's in your life, if you don't let Jesus heal that or you let God deal with that, it'll make you hard. You don't realize it. And you're living out of the pain of years ago, you're living out of the pain of trauma. You're living out of the pain. This is why we've got to open our hearts and say, God, keep my heart pliable. Here's a promise for you if you're there and think it's impossible to get over that. I've got news for you. God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel, and he said this. He said, I'll take your stony heart. I'll take that hard heart. And he said, I'll touch it, and I'll make it flesh again. I'll make it pliable again. Here's the third, here's the third area. If you're going to live captivated by the world, sad note that much of the world has much of the church has no boundaries anymore it's everything goes I can love God I love him I attend church and beyond that everything goes no boundaries of Christian life no boundaries of how we ought to function as believers and I've embraced things I remember a couple years ago when, when I pastored. Please don't anybody be offended if you're in this because that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just, I'm just talking about 40 years of ministry. I had a, couple, had a couple in my church, beautiful couple. They were some of my leaders. And man, if anybody ever talked about tattoos, if anybody ever talked about getting pierced, that never happened to my kids. That's, boy, I mean, they were adamant about it. 
But it was amazing to me after some pain and after we left some stuff they went through that all of a sudden things that they said they would never do that they begin to adapt into their life. And we don't realize that we start adapting things that are contrary to the world. He's, he said we're full of the deceitful riches. We think of the deceitful riches just about being money. I believe it's even beyond that. We've captivated ourselves into the pleasures of what this world will bring to us. And I'm not trying to put my hand on anybody's holiness because the holiness for me may walk different than what it looks like for you. I may not be able to do just because God convicts my heart. It may not be yours, but the reality is for all of us, there is a book and there are boundaries and there's things in this book that you and I need to be careful of to say this is how I live as a believer. Not trying to be religious, but because this is what God told me and how I should live. He said, these things are thieves. It'll choke out. It'll choke out the kingdom. You know, why can't I see it? It's squeezing the life out of what you've got in you. But then there's that good ground that's been tilled, that's been turned over several times. That's what we got to constantly be doing. We got a little place as you stand with me. We got a little, what do you call that, little flower bed right there behind the, our, our place between that and my lake. This little flower bed. and I hate pulling weeds, so I asked my friend Landon if he would come and clean that out for me. So he did a couple weeks ago. Landon, I don't know what you did, but they're back. They're back. Because here's the point. If you don't keep the ground tilled, if you don't keep it hold, if you don't keep the weeds out, those weeds will get back in there before you can turn around. Hit landed. They're going to come back. And they'll fill your life. They'll fill your garden. And they're choking out. They're choking out the life of God. But I'm telling you, this is the time for your best life now. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the time. Hold your hands up to the Lord. I'm going to bless you. God's already ministered in this house. Father, I thank you that you have declared your kingdom among us and in us and for us. And I bless this people. God, as they walk from this place, to walk in the fullness, to walk in the blessing, to walk in the overflow, God. Oh, I'm going to quote it one more time. I give you everything in abundance, more than you can expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. In Jesus' name, it's yours. God bless you, everybody. Have a great, great day.